Good evening, Austin Villa fans. Welcome to the Villa Forever podcast. I am your host, Chad Williams. Before we get started, if you are new to this channel, please hit subscribe. And you can follow me on all audio platforms as well. This evening, I'm joined by my special guest, Dallas Hale, who is a presenter on BBC WM Sports of the radio. I'll be doing the pre-match talk show, Aston Villa versus Zerinsky Mostar. It's the second, the second game in your way for Conference League group stage. It's going to be a game under the floodlights. Really looking forward to it. So, uh, that does. I'm happy to have you on the show. Thanks for inviting me on. Thank you. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah. Well, my team won at the weekend as well for a change, didn't they? <laughs> so I'm quite happy. Um, uh, for those who don't know, I'm a Wolves fan, and of course, Wolves are playing Villa on Sunday as well. So it's going to be quite uh, quite a busy week again, isn't it? And we got Blues Albion as well on Friday. So quite a lot of uh, stuff happening this week on WM. Yeah, I'm a very happy Villa fan. Six one. I, I, I mean, you were there, weren't you, on um, Saturday lunchtime against Brighton? And um, I don't know. I actually drew parallels. Actually, I thought back in April when you had Newcastle at home. When again, Newcastle were flying high and everyone was saying what a good team Newcastle are. And you absolutely schooled them. I think it was, you got five that day, didn't you? And on Saturday, yeah. I mean, Brighton are an excellent team, but the game plan was terrific. And you just completely just blew them away. And you're now all of a sudden only three points off the top of the table, which is extraordinary when, when you watch it, Chad, and you still think yeah. that, there's, there's more to come yet. I mean, there's people. Have, it's been a bit up and down, hasn't it, with the cup results and those defeats at St James's Park and Anfield. So there's more to come. But already, it's more than two points a game again, which is what Unai Emery's done ever since he came into the club, isn't it? Because yeah, Unai Emery is an absolute genius. He's done absolute wonders for this football club. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And um, I never liked the the narrative that he'd not done well at Arsenal when I think the truth is he got them in the top four. I think they got to the get the European final, but they were beaten. Yes. Uh, it was by far from the disaster that some people had made it out. And it was like, when you're having to follow somebody like um, Arsene Wenger, it was like a WM having to follow Francie or, you know, <laughs> David Moyes having to follow Sir Alex Ferguson. It was always going to be unfair, poison chalice, really. But he did terrific at Arsenal. He's done terrific all around Europe. And what I like about him, Chad, is he's really, really hungry for success. And he embraces when people say, oh, this is a big game. He never talks it down. He says, yeah, it is. Come on, let's have it. And, you know, obviously he says it in, you know, with a Spanish accent. Mm -hmm. But I, I just like the way he, he approaches everything. And um, he's been a breath of fresh air after Stephen Gerrard, hasn't he? Yeah, well, I predicted before the game, Against Brighton, I thought it was going to be 2 2. I completely got that wrong. Well, but you know, um, that wouldn't, I mean, I know obviously it was 10 wins, maybe you did 10 wins on the spin. 
that wouldn't have been the worst result, really, because I say they are a very good team and like Villa, I, I do expect them to be. I mean, obviously they finished sixth last season, Brighton, and they're going to be they're going to be there or thereabouts again this season. So it wouldn't have been the worst result in the world to have had a draw against them. But I think not just the fact that you beat them, but how you beat them will have just it's been a bit of a statement. And I think a lot of the yeah, other teams, yeah, the pundits in the you know like the national pundits will have looked at that and gone, oh, hang on a minute, bit Villa of the real deal. Because he was a tactical masterclass. Again, yeah. Uh, and not for the first time. But again, I think as well that a lot of credit here, you know, has to go to the players as well, Chad. Because um, to go from, and I liked Stephen Gerrard and I got on well with Stephen Gerrard, but it was, once Michael Beale had gone, it was very, um, I think it's basically just five sides on the training ground every day and it wasn't, there wasn't much structure to it. And, now, Unai Emery is very much a classroom manager. Well, I spend a lot of time. Bomb- it bombards them with information and uh, the players have bought into that. Now, some players might have gone, oh I, don't, oh, I can't be doing with this. I just want to go and kick a football about. But they've all bought into it. So credit to those players as well. And there's a real togetherness there now, isn't there? Because also, we might Brighton look average. Yeah, below on the, the day, yeah, without a doubt. We're the best guy I've ever been to. Was it really? So there you go. Well, it's up there with the best. Yeah. Well, again, you can't really argue it. I mean, I think the last time they were that good was probably when in COVID, wasn't it? When it was Liverpool, when that was 70, which again was just another totally insane performance. And actually, I think, didn't Ollie Watkins get a hat-trick in that one as well? So there's, He again, did, there's yes. That's still two history, yeah. Yeah. And what do you think of Watkins now? He's obviously four, four goals in two games now. Seems to be back to his best, doesn't he? It surely has to be in the conversation for the England squad. Well, Southgate was there, wasn't he? So, I mean, you look at Watkins and Esri Concer as well, Chad. And if, if they don't get in, I think it's another week, isn't it? He names his squad or next weekend. Mm. What is it this week? But if, if they don't get in the squad this time, then they're never going to get in under him, are they? Because you can't really do much more than what they're doing at the moment. Yeah, because Watkins, once he gets one goal, He's on fire then. 100 percent yeah. And, in the um, yeah. I mean he got his he got his hat trick in at Hibs, didn't he? But it was his first league goal at Chelsea. And then again on Saturday, absolutely terrific. But and I think the other big thing this season as well is that I think that correct me if I'm wrong, I think that's now eight different goal scorers in League and Cup already. And that's, that's a good really, start. really encouraging when they're being shared all around the team like that. And um, again, so it doesn't put too much pressure on your, on your number nine, you know, your centre forward, if other people are chipping in as well. Did you hear about that start about Watkins at the weekend? Go on. So you know about Andy Gray? Yeah. So about, about the first striker to score two consecutive hat-tricks in like a season. Is that right, at Villa? Is that right? Yeah, well, two hat tricks at Villa, yeah. Well, I didn't know which, that. Which is a which is an amazing record, and he beat it. What yeah. Do you remember Andy Gray as a player? Um, I do. That, like, I've seen the videos of him like before yeah. my time. Yeah, he was fantastic. He they used to say about Andy Gray that um, he put his head in where other people would think twice about putting their boots. He was he was very very brave. 
Uh, and again, he actually moved from Villa to Wolves and he ended back up Villa a few years later as well. He was a fantastic player. Uh, and um, I think he's been I think he's been back just recently as well. He spends a lot of time in is it Dubai or somewhere like that, in it with Richard Keith doing yeah. But he's been back just recently, and I know that he's a player that if anybody saw him, you couldn't, you know, he, he was one of the bravest players I've ever seen. Well, before we get more into the talk show, Daz, I just thought to spread awareness about Dushan Muscadishnafe. Can you spread awareness for me, Daz? Absolutely, mate. I mean, you know that um, you've been on the programme before and, you, and you're always welcome to come on and chat. Uh, if that's something that you you want to talk about, because I always, I don't like putting labels on people. And when, when you phone up and you come on the show, to me, you're Chad the Villa fan. And I'll talk, it don't matter. But if you want to talk about your condition and you talk about what you're going through, then that's fine by me. But I would never put you in a position to do that because if you phone me up, you're, you're Chad the Villa fan. But if you want to talk about anything like that, then obviously it's, it's a great platform, mate. Well, over the next few weeks, let me show you the different stages of Dushan. Mm. And there's some information down below that comes across the screen. So if anybody wants information about it, I'll be showing different stages over the next few weeks. This Excellent. week, I'll do three to five. It's something that's really close to my heart as well. Because mm. I'm using this platform to spread the awareness. Excellent. Okay, so what is your thoughts from our Carabao Cup exit against Everton? Um, it raised more questions than answers, really, didn't it, mate? Because just as in the game in Warsaw the week before, he made five changes. And it's difficult because some of the players who've come in and haven't performed, like Tielemans, we know Tielemans is a quality Premier League player. Then Donker, it hasn't happened for him since he came to Villa, but he's mm -hmm. he, he's an international, you know, Belgium international, and he, he's he's a decent player, but it hasn't happened. So you look at it and you think, well, just as in Warsaw, was it too many changes in one go with a, with a group of players who just maybe aren't sharp enough at the moment and are a bit ring rusty? But the only way you get become sharp is by playing games but you also need results don't you so it's a real um it's a real dilemma for Unai Henry and he said after the game you know these players we're going to need them mm -hmm. so but on the outskirts of it it looks as if at the moment you, your first 12 13 14 players are excellent and then there are question marks aren't there about the others about whether you can trust them and we've seen when he's made big changes, say one of big changes, five changes in the in Europe, five changes in the Carabao Cup that he struggled, which then bears the question, what's he going to do on Thursday night? Because you can't afford to take any liberties selection-wise for this one, because after what happened in Warsaw, mm -hmm. you need to win. So it'll be interesting to see if he goes with what you call his strongest eleven to start with, uh, against it. Now, I was going to say get the game done, but these were 3 0 down in in, in match day one and ended up winning, didn't they, Zrinski? But, but, they, but they beat Ayes in Alkmaar. Yeah, 3 0 down to 4 3. But if 
you'd for me, my my mindset would be start as strong as we can, get the game done as quickly as possible, you know, by yeah. half time or an hour. And then you, you got five substitutions, then you can take the players off and give them a bit of a rest ahead of Molyneux on Sunday. But I think the difference this time as well, Chad, is that you haven't got to travel back from Poland. You haven't got to travel down to London for when you actually won on the Sunday anyway at Chelsea. You're at home and then you, you can even tootle along on the morning to Wolverhampton, can't you? So there isn't going to be the same sort of recovery that's going to be needed, I don't think, than it was in the, in the first game. What he is, we need to go for some silverware. Well, he wants to, and obviously, you, yeah, you've lost one now, one option. Do you think, actually, as frustrating as it was last, whenever it was, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, do you think it might actually end up being a little bit of a blessing in disguise with how many fixtures that you've got? Yeah, I think with the going out the Carabao Cup, I think definitely that's a good thing, I think. Mm. Didn't feel like it at the time, but well, 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 it's, it's one less game to worry about. Mm-hmm. And I think, got to. I mean, obviously, you've still got the FA Cup, but I mean, this season, if you can, obviously, the Carabao Cup's the shortest route to Europe. In as much as you, if you'd have won, you'd have been through to the last sixteen, and you can quickly get a, you know, qualify for Europe again. But looking at it, it's. Going great in the Premier League with more to come. What would you say the real icing on the cake this season would be going all the way in, in this competition and do what West Ham did last year? Yeah, what I would do is I'd prioritise the Premier League and the Conference League. Mm-hmm. So do a league, good league position, get maybe like top six mm-hmm. and maybe win a trophy with the Conference League. Mm-hmm. I mean, that'd be brilliant. And, and the other thing is, as well, it's not been decided yet. Uh, it may even be top five in the Champions League at the end of the yeah, season. Yeah, or even, I mean, even the Champions League could be yeah. possible. Yeah, it is. I, I think it is anyway. But it might even be the top five because the restructure in the Champions League and there's going to be more teams in it. But they haven't announced yet where are these extra places going to come from. So there's every chance that a fifth place finish this season could even get you in the Champions League. And at the moment, there's that is there's no it's that's not beyond the realms, is it? You know, so it's I think it's got to just try and keep the pot bubbling with both. But you know, I mean, I, everybody people always talk about money, don't they? And but yeah. it's fans, it's memories, isn't it? Not money. And you you want to go to finals, you want to win things. You, you don't care about how much money the club are making out of it. He's got a great record in like Emery in European competitions. Yeah, he has it. Uh, he, well, in the Europa League, he's especially the Europa uh, League. Yeah, has he won it more than anyone else? I think has he won it four times or something? Yeah, that's it. Because he was with Sevilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, in, and, and the thing there, Chad, is that um, he knows how to deal with the Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday thing because he's done it for years. And there's a lot of those players who have as well. Not all of them, but a lot of those players have got European experience. So it's not a new, it's not a new thing to, to a lot of them. This thing, this rhythm they've got to get into about playing on Thursday nights. And just I think the key now though is that you have to win this Thursday. After what happened in the first game, you have, you to, have win. to win this match, I think. Because uh, have we got five games left in that competition? Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think I think you can afford to lose one generally to get out of the group, and you've done that already. Um and we I mean what did you I mean I know it's going back a little bit, but do you what do you think happened that night? Do you think it was a little bit of complacency or was it just the fact that too many people on the night just didn't play well, which can happen, can't it? I think we should have controlled the game a lot better. Mm. And also, I thought Chambers struggled as well. He had a really poor night, didn't he? And interestingly, I know he was back on the bench at the weekend, but he wasn't involved at all against Everton uh, in the Carabao Cup. But even that night in Warsaw, you'd, twice you'd conceded, twice you'd got back to 2-2. And even at 3-2, I thought, oh, they'll still win this 4-3, 5-3. But it never happened. So hopefully they can learn the lessons from that. And then I think just... what it is, I think we might have underestimated them. Maybe, maybe, yes. Because what it is, no matter who it is, that won't Europe, happen again. No, it won't happen again because Europe's difficult. Hmm. Hmm. No matter who you play against, you've got to give 100%. Yeah, and of course, for a lot of these players, uh, well, I, you know, I'd, um, I mean, the team that you were playing, Legia Warsaw, I mean, I didn't know much about them, and I'm sure that you know, that the Villa staff would have done their preparation for it and the players. But again, five changes, a few players who were undercooked, but that's gone now. And I mean, what would you do team-wise then on Thursday? What If you were in Emery, how would you approach it? Um, I'll rest if you, I won't rest too many. I'll play Paul Torres. Mm. I'll start him. Matty Cash. Put him instead of Chambers. Yeah, yeah. Um, would you start with Ollie or would you give John Duran another go? Uh, I'll give John Duran another go. I like him, you know. I really like him. I think I like, it, I like his physical presence. Yeah. I mean, some people have compared him a little bit to Ben Teke and you can see that, can't you? Very similar. I mean, I remember that, uh, that goal he scored against Crystal Palace. Yeah, that was very similar. And he chested it down and bosh, nearly broke the net all in one oh, movement. What a rocket that was! That was yeah, amazing. Fantastic goal. night, yeah, yeah. So, do you think so the squad we've got now? Do you think it's good enough to take us to the next level? What's what would you what would you say is the next level, Chad? What, what well, how would you define that? I think well, top four, but I think we need maybe a backup goalkeeper. Definitely. And we need maybe another like striker mm. to battle for Watkins, maybe like competition. Mm. I said earlier that I think that 12, 13, 14 players are top draw. But I'm with you. I don't uh, I don't think oh you wouldn't want and Olsen's done okay when he's coming in, in the cup games, but you wouldn't want him playing week in, week out, would you? You know, so I agree with you. And I was a little bit surprised, actually, because um, Kasper Schmeichel was a free agent for a while. I think he's gone to Anderlecht now. And some, yes. obviously his dad ended up at Villa as well. I scored a goal, actually. I mean, someone like him would have been really, really, I think really added something. But again, I'm not quite sure how good he is with his feet, which is something that they want with the modern day goalkeeper now. I think it's the, if you look at the progress that you've made, uh, since Unai Emery came in, was it, I think it was end of October, wasn't it, last year? Yes, it was, yeah. Year. So, I mean, it's come on leaps and bounds. And so, 
it looks like you've done some decent business in, in, in the January window. And again, some of those players still just to bed in. Um, and some of them are perhaps have to be brought in sooner than, than he'd wanted to. So if you can have a good January window again, and let's not forget that Villa will be very attractive to, to other players. If you're in the top five or six and you know, you've got, you're going well in, in Europe, then if there's another three or four teams in, in for player X, then you're going to be very attractive proposition for, for the players. So the, the better you're doing, the more opportunities to attract really good players. And I know they've got to be wary of FFP, uh, the bane of everybody's life, FFP, mate, <laughs> which is why I think they, they took the decision to sell Archer and Aaron Ramsey just to try and balance the books a little bit. So that is a consideration as well. But um, I think you're moving in the right. I enjoy the ride. It's what you've got on leaps and bounds in the last year. Just I think as fans, you just want to see your club progressing, don't you? And things getting better. And it's not last season. That, so we, we, we always always happy with top ten. Yeah, and we actually we did seventh, uh, which is amazing. Yeah. And, and again, I think that's the other thing, isn't it? That last season. On the phone-in, like people were phoning in towards the end when you're on this incredible run and everyone's saying, well, you know, it's, it's almost felt like a bonus because his first job when he was brought in, he, his main job when he when he took the job was make sure you keep us up. That was the first thing, make sure you keep mm. us up because that was by no means certain when, when Stephen Gerrard went after the 3-0, wasn't it, at Fulham. He did that, basically done that by January with the results that you had. And then it was like, okay... FA Cup run and try and get us in the top 10. Well, the FA Cup thing was we won't talk about. And so it was almost like a free hit. So there's more expectancy this season, I think, now that it's no longer all it's a bonus. But again, you look at the points you've got already and you haven't even been that consistent yet. So if you can get like however many 15 points or whatever it is already, then from seven games, isn't it? That's without you really, really getting into your groove yet. So... I just, I just enjoy the ride and just see where it takes you because you, you're certainly not going to be looking over your shoulders, are you? At the other end of the table. Yeah, well, I feel like as a supporter, when you go to Villa Park, you turn up there expecting to win. It's a fortress. And that's it, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> as, as, I mean, as fans, you do go through periods where you just go because that's what you do, because you, you, you're not looking, you're, oh, I'm a fan, so I'm going, and you're loyal, and and you don't really, you go almost out of duty sometimes, um, and I think it was like that for a long time down at Villa, and then it's changed now, and there's a real vibrancy around the place now, and I remember um, the final game, it was Brighton again, wasn't it, actually, the final game of last yeah, season, for Europe, and the, the atmosphere that day was sensational and that just gave, again, a little bit of a taster of what the club could be and the road that the club's going down, I think, at the moment. Well, it is. It gives me the goosebumps here in the farm's yeah. chance. Yeah. yeah. It's such a feel-good factor there now. Yeah. Well, to to have won... I mean, they'd already won 10 on the spin, really, because they'd beat Hibernian, hadn't they, as well? So it was 10 home wins on the spin, then they lost to Everton, won again on Saturday, so... 10 Premier League home victories is just incredible. And, and the other thing is that if you remember, they'd like 
I think they'd let four in against, was it Arsenal and four in against Leicester or someone and you were shipping a lot of goals and I have to go and I go and see who I am in most weeks actually for the pre-match press conference and at that time he was just saying like clean sheets, clean sheets, we've got to get clean sheets and if you look back at those, those to win 10 games on the spin at home in the Premier League is incredible but You've hardly let any goals in. I'm not sure. Was it about three or four goals you've let in in that time? It's yeah, we've got a good record. Only, really? Because Italy Henry keeps keeps breaking record after record. Yeah, and again, if if you actually look back on, I mean, defensively uh, as well, we've had so much disruption with what with happened with Tyrone means in the very first game of the season, and then obviously you've had Moreno out. Uh, you've had uh, was it, was it Carlos got injured again, although he's back now, so he's not really been able to pick a particularly settled back line so far either. Um, so again, I think that's and, and Martinez missed the game as well, didn't he? I think so. It's just going to get stronger and stronger. I think the more the more games that they play together, it's not like uh, what against Man United, like you know, not last season when we haven't beaten them in like in like 27 years. Yeah. And we completely changed that record and go and beat them straight away. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's a completely different mindset around the place now. And it's I think the other good thing is the way that um, you can see that the players, everything, they've all bought into what he's trying to do. And it, it, I think John, I mean, it, it, people were saying, well, why was John McGinn left back last week for, for half the game against Everton? Well, clearly... He didn't want to risk Luca Dean yet for the full 90 because he's the only left back you've got fit. And so your captain's gone, you know what, Gaffer, I'll go and do a job for you. He's not a left back. Of course he's not a left back. No. But he said, as captain, right, I'll play there. I'll, I'll do a job for you tonight. And again, I think that speaks volumes rather than having a Billy Big Time going, well, I'm not playing there. It's not, I'm, I'm, I'm a midfielder. I'm a Scottish international. I'm, but he said, no, I'll, I'll go and drop in for you there. And I think that just shows the... The spirit that they've got there at the moment, Chad. So what is your verdict for the Brighton game? It was incredible, wasn't it? It's was absolutely extraordinary. And again, the thing that um because again, Brighton had that little spell at the start, start of the second half, but each time they had a spell, you rode it out. Obviously, they scored their goal, and they thought this might get interesting now. But what impressed me again was bearing in mind that you have got all these games coming up, is that once you got to 4-1, you didn't go, all right, then that'll do. Down tools, we'll just start, you know, preserving the energy. They were still going, going and going and going right up until the final game, you know, the 98th minute or 100th minute or whatever it was. So again, that just goes to show that the the mentality there now, that, um, and no one, no one would have blamed him if at 3-1, 4-1, that they'd gone, that'll do. We'd declare got a game on Thursday, but no, still kept pushing on. And I think that's, as a fan, that's what you want to see in it, mate. And also, I love the tactical game plan. I love the way we, uh, we pressurise them. Yeah. Constant pressing non-stop. And that was really interesting because, you, I absolutely agree, because, again, um, with them, they're so good, technically, but clearly the game plan was get in their faces, do not give them a second on the ball. And to keep that going 
for again 100 minutes that tempo and that intensity shows how fit they are because that's a big ask it's okay i mean i you know it's okay doing it for 10 minutes but mm -hmm. to keep it going and keep it going and in the end you you and i don't mean this in an illegal way you bullied them out of the game and so it reminds me very much of Newcastle back in back in April when you did five one or five nil. Is very similar to that, to that that performance? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I thought so. Um, so that only bodes well because up until that game on Saturday, obviously you'd played two really good teams. You would say in Newcastle and in Liverpool, both away and had bad days. Then you went and won at Chelsea, and I don't think mm -hmm. that. Again, all the national media are talking about what went wrong for Chelsea. Well, you'd played in Poland three days before. You went to Chelsea, you still won the game and kept a clean sheet. So I don't think you had enough credit for that. If they're going to be, all right, they ain't the Chelsea they were of a couple of years ago, but they, they're still going to be, I think, in the top six or seven come the end of the season. But to have a team like Brighton at home, who are excellent, to, to not just beat them, but to absolutely blow them away, as I said before, it just sends out a real statement, I think. And good Brighton are a really good side. Yeah, it'll give the players real belief yeah, as well, Chad. I think it's not, I think they're just getting a lot more confidence. Yeah, and that's it, isn't it? And believe so. Having lost to Liverpool and Newcastle, to have done that against a team like that, and you'd have talked, I mean, you said two, you, you predicted 2 2. If it had been a really scrappy 1 0, You'd have took it because it'd have been a yes. great result against a good team. But to absolutely bash them, you know, you absolutely like just tore them apart. You know, the look at like really average. Yeah, that's it, and that's down down to you and not them because you wouldn't, you didn't let them play, and it goes back to what you were saying about Unai Emery's tactics, uh, which again, and it also goes back to the fact that the players buy into what he wants because to keep going like that non-stop. And to put that much of you know that intensity in and that tempo and and then I think the crowd feed off that and when the crowd can see him doing that they roar him on and then they get more energy from the crowd and Unai Emery did say after the game speaking that you know the crowd had played a big part in in that result because I think it was it was almost they were feeding off each other weren't they? Who do you think was player of the match? Um, well, I mean, maybe I mean, everyone knows really. I mean, most people know. Me being old school, I've got to give it to the centre forward who scored a hat trick. William Watkins, obviously, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but there was lots of other good performances. But, but they're, all, they're all good, though. They put their shift in. Yeah, yeah. So would you go Watkins as well? I'll go Watkins. He was on fire, but not only just be not because of his just because his hat trick. He held the ball up really well. He really sucks off the team. Yeah, so he's a workhorse. Yeah, yeah, and it, so he'd had a bit of a slow start to the season. Although he did get the hat trick in in uh, Edinburgh, but to have got four in two games now in the Premier League, uh, obviously the winning goal as well at Stamford Bridge. So he's back in the groove now, which has got to be good, hasn't it? And we mentioned him before. He's also now got. Um, another option in, in John Duran, who, when he brought him in in January, we saw little bits of him. I think he hit the crossbar at Man City, didn't he, off the bench? And But we hardly saw him pre-season, and I was beginning to wonder whether he'd get um, loaned out somewhere. But apparently he'd had a bit of an injury, which is why he hadn't featured much. But he's really come to the party now. Has he got three three goals, is it, in all competitions? Yes, yes that's right, yeah. Yeah, so he's... Um, 
he's another, and he's he's different to anything else you've got, really. I'd say at the moment, so it gives Unai Emery another yeah. option, doesn't it? We're going back to Watkins. He does great work off the ball as well. Yeah, yeah. Because as a striker, even when you don't score goals, it's about what you contribute to the team as well. Yeah, and um, and the work thing is you have to do that or you don't play for Unai Emery, which is why I think Philip Coutinho in the end, wonderful, wonderful footballer, but especially away from home, he, he wouldn't always put in the hard yards, if you know what I mean, when he hadn't got the ball. And you don't get in the, you won't get in Unai Emery's team if you're not prepared to do the stuff when you haven't got the ball. And, you know, and that's, you won't, simple as that. If, if you don't do that, you don't get in the team, and which again, I applaud. What do you expect from, or you're waiting for conference league group stage guy against Zeritsky Mostar? What do you think? I think it'd be a fairly comfortable winner, I think. Because mm. being at home, we're good at home as well. Yeah. I mean, again, bearing in mind that they were they were 3-0 down in the last game. Obviously, by, by half-time, I think. Because um, was it 4-3, was it? Yeah, and credit to them, the way... I don't know what whether Alkmaar <laughs> were on the pop at half-time. I don't know what we're on. And credit to them. But um, for me, I think a lot of it will depend on the team selection, Chad. And if he picks a strong team, which I think he will, then I agree with you. I think it will be very comfortable on the night. Um, if he doesn't go with a, with a strong team, then it it might end be one of these where I still think you'll win, but it might be one of these where you might have to bring some of the, the big boys off the bench after an hour and just try and get the job done. But I would think that it's difficult to see anything other than a comfortable win on the night, isn't it, really? I think defending has to be better. You mean from in, in Poland? Yeah, from the, the last performance. Yeah. yeah, it will. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, and again, I mean, that night he'd um, made a lot of changes, didn't he, at the back? And, and I, I think it was, you mentioned Chambers really struggled to get up to the pace of the game. And I think it was the wrong game to throw Clement Longley in as well, because he was still a bit ring rusty. I agree. Uh, and then to have to go into that, it, I, I think they'd have been better off keeping him back until the, the League Cup, the Carabao Cup game in the midweek. Um, so yeah, so that, that's what I mean. It's about like he, and again, he's a quality player, but he's he's just undercooked. So just go with. I, I would actually be very tempted just to start with the team who played on Saturday lunchtime. It's not and, the strongest team. That's what you have to do. Yeah, get the job done quickly, or get you know get three up or four up. You can make five substitutions. Then you can give them some time off. But as I say, then it's like. They've got Friday off, they've got Saturday off, Sunday afternoon it is. It's two and a half, three days later, but there's no travelling. This is literally across the road to Wolverhampton. So I I and I think the players, if it's a European campaign, the players will want to play because it's Europe. And that's to have been looked forward to work so hard to get there, to get into Europe, and then to be left on the bench on a night like it, it'll be obviously a big atmosphere as well on Thursday. I'd be gutted. I'd want to play. So hopefully 
Well, let's just see. I mean, Unai Emery, as I said, he's very experienced in European competition, so he'll he'll know what to do. But if it were me, I, I would. That's what I'd do. I'd go strong, same team as Saturday lunchtime. Get the game one after an hour, and then you can like say, all right, then now we can start um, taking players off if we want to. Well, Daz, I'll tell everybody uh, some interesting facts about Zerinsky Mustar. Go on, I'll, I'll need these from up from my coverage on Thursdays. So I'm nicking these. <laughs> so they were founded in 1905. And I'm going to look at their squad as well. Yeah. I don't know much about their players, but Bill Beecher is a good player. And Malkin Nusic destroyed an attacking midfielder, I think. Hmm. Also, their supporters are called Ultras Mustar. Right. They joined the Bosnian Premier League in 2000 after Bosnia's independence. Yeah. And also, Daz, this is a very interesting fact for you. Luka Modric played for Zerinsky in the 2003-04 season. Well, I didn't know that. There you go. It was I'll when Luka Modric I'm, I'm having that stat on Thursday, mate. I'm having that one. No problem. <laughs> Oh, they bring how many tickets they got? Do you know how many they sold? Uh, I'm not sure, but I'm going to the game first, are you? Yeah. I'm hoping it'll be a good crowd, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it'll be a big villa. I, just, I wonder if, how many away fans will come, because it's just... Fair. It'd be interesting. Yeah, I mean, the Hibs fans were brilliant, weren't they, um, a few weeks ago? It just feels different, doesn't it? A European night with different supporters, different songs, different things that they do, and it just adds that extra bit of... Somewhat different, doesn't it, to the European nights? When well, you've got I think the... Zrinsky Mustar, their ground holds 9,000. Blimey. So it would be interesting. That's, that's smaller. I mean, but I think Bournemouth holds 11 or 12, so that really is small then, isn't it? And what, I mean, the best Scott holds 11. That really is tiny, isn't it? So they won't bring that many then. Well, they only might bring a few hundred, perhaps. It's actually my first European game. It's what, sorry? It's my first Europe, European is game. It? I bet you can't wait then, can you, Oh, mate? I can't wait. Come on, it is. The last time Martin O'Neill, when, when we was in Europe last time, yeah. I was too young to appreciate it then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what's your, what time are you getting there on Thursday? What's your plan? Uh, I'm going to get there about 30 minutes before kickoff. Yeah, yeah. We're soaking the atmosphere of that. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's an eight o'clock kickoff, in it, and we're obviously we're doing it live, and then we're we're staying on till half ten after the game as well to take calls because these days now with eight o'clock kickoffs with all this new injury time stuff, they don't they don't finish till about one minute or two minutes to ten. So we wanted to stay on and get a few callers in as well. So if anybody wants to call in after the game, whether they've been there or yeah. listened to it or watched it on the telly, it'd be great to have you on the show. Thank you. Also, Daz, uh, I'll try the subject for a minute. I saw your old mate Gordon on Saturday. Gordon Heath? Yeah. Yes, I did, yeah. I had a photo with him before kickoff. Okay. Well, we used to um, live round the corner from each other. And um, his brother, Rob's a big Villa fan as well. And 
In fact, I think I remember going to him one with him and people watching, some people will remember the it was in the back, I don't know, about 82, 83, something like that. And it was an FA Cup game at Villa Park. And Villa, I might even have been at six round, it, might, it was quite a way in, and Villa won one nil through Peter with. And I remember going with Rob, who was Gordon's brother to that game. And I was in the Wolves end, and he was in, in the Villa end. Uh, but Gordon's proper Villa, like yourself and his family. And so we used to knock about. And he's, he's, he's a chef now, I think, isn't he? Yeah, I used to be a more occupational therapist. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a chef now, and he, and he swears more than Gordon Ramsay, apparently. So, <laughs> But he's a good bloke, yeah. So were you school friends? Well, yeah, we lived in the, literally in the same street. Well, I lived in uh, in Burntwood in a place called Tudor Road, and he was in Tudor Close. It was literally just round the corner. So we used to see each other most days and stuff. I think he's I think he's a year younger than me, although he looks about ten years older. Um, but no, he's a good lad. Also, I spoke to to Tomer. You had him on, didn't you, last week, Gary Thompson? Oh, he's a great, great guy. He's a great guy, yeah, Gary Thompson. He is, yeah. And um, obviously, he's a regular on WM as part of our commentary team. And um, he's, he's he's such a good pundit, and he's got so many great stories. He really he put his autobiography out. I think it was last year, the year before, which is well worth a read. And of course, he had a terrific career. He's not just Villa. He was at Albion. He was at Coventry. I think Crystal Palace as well. And He's done a fair bit of coaching, but he's he, he's Villa through and through. And when um, he, he's one of the when you get on a on a match day when they're playing at home, he's one of the first there, and he's just soaking it all up and up in the press box. He's kicking every ball and heading every ball, and he'll actually be there at Molyneux on Sunday as well. He'll be there on Thursday, and he'll be at Molyneux on Sunday as part of our team. But Gary Thompson, a great, great. Great footballer, again, good old-fashioned centre forward, but really top man as well. Because you know about the gantry at Villa Park. Oh, where is it again? Is that where does it, where does he go? Yeah, where we sit is um, so you're so you know where you you, you sit by the t you're the other side of the tunnel, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I'm sort of tunnel, yeah. Yeah, so we're we're on the touchlines. We've got the north stand to our left, the whole tend up on the right. And we're level with about the where we sit is about level just past well just past the the eighteen yard line by by the tunnel, not far from the dugouts. And he's back. okay, yeah, and and that's where we all sit. So you'll have to come and say hello one of the days if you can come and okay. get to us or something. But yeah, that's where that's where we are and Five Live and Talk Sport and everybody else. And the TV people. Go up. I think they're on the. Other, they might even be on the other side. The actual TV cameras, but the radio is uh, yeah on the same stand as you. Yeah. What do you expect for the walls going? Don't know. It's um. It's. Uh, I mean, it was Wolves did very very well on Sunday, and it'll be interesting to see. They went to a back three for that game. I get on Saturday against Manchester City, so it'll be interesting to see what he does for that one. Uh, I Look, I'm never great. I mean, I didn't think they had a cat, you know, I was chance against Manchester City, so I'm not one for predictions, really. Uh, but And it's difficult with local derbies as well, isn't it, Chad? The old cliche about yeah. form book goes out the window. It doesn't always go out the window, but I, I imagine it's going to be very, very competitive. Uh, and again, for, 
for a Villa perspective, it's they want to be as fresh as possible for that game, which is why there is this balancing act for Unai Emery about what to do on Thursday. And that modern year, Wolves have got a very good record against Villa. It's been better in the last um, few years. I mean, we we went about 30-odd years and didn't beat Villa at all. But I think I was looking, actually, the last 10 meetings in League and Cup, home and away, uh, Wolves have won five, Villa have won three, including the, oh. the League tie, and there's been two draws. And, and Wolves have won the last two seasons at Molyneux, but the season before that, I don't know if you remember, it was in COVID where uh, Anwell Algarzi scored a last-minute penalty and they won 1-0 at Molyneux. So it's not quite as horrific as some Villa fans think it is, that record. They've actually, say, in the COVID year, they won, I mean, not last year, the year before, the year before that, they won at Molyneux, 1-0. So um, it's, it's it, it, I, I wouldn't want to call it. I mean, if, if you offered me a point now, I'd snatch your hand off personally. Um and then we've got actually got Blues and Albion on Friday night as well. So it's like double derby weekend. So it's going to be a lively old few days on W. Well, hopefully Villa can chase that record. They may well do. They may well do. Did it's, you show you're um, a Wolves fan? Say it again. Did you show you're a Wolves fan? <laughs> so, same religion, different denomination. <laughs> we all feel the same when, when we're watching the games. <laughs> don't we? yeah, that's it, really. We're going to give a granddad a little stick as well. Is it a Wolves fan? Yeah, he sports Wolves, yeah. What's his name? Edward Smith. Edward Smith, there we go. Good old Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I think it, I'm really looking forward to that game. Because also, yeah, when Wolves beat him on City, and Villa beat him yeah, Yeah, they've both got their titles up. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and it's not on. It's not on the telly legally. I know some people do get to. to oh, watch. is it not on TV? No, again, it's because um, it has been moved because Villa are playing on Thursday. So again, just a quick plug: we will have it full match commentary on WM. But I know that some people may find other ways of watching it. But if you can't, then put us on. Even if you can, put us on and listen. Yeah, I usually listen to WM. Yeah, great stuff, mate. Well, we're on for an hour after the game. Then as well, you'd have to call me up after the game. And if Villa have won, you'll have to give me some stick. Oh, yeah, I'll give you a lot of stick. Yeah. That's fair enough. I'm used to it. <laughs> uh, what do you think of Wolves head coach? Gary O'Neill. Gary O'Neill. It was an interesting appointment, wasn't it? Um, he's, I think what happened on Saturday will have gone a long way towards convincing people that he's... he's He's been labelled PE teacher and all sorts quite unkindly since coming in. It hasn't been a great start, but like Villa, uh, before Saturday, four out of the first six games had been away. And that's it's always tough. And they'd played like Liverpool, they played Brighton, they played Manchester United. Uh, you know, then they'd, they'd had some tough games and they played well in parts of them. But uh, Saturday was the first time they really played for 90 minutes. Um so it's easy to forget, isn't it? And, and I'm the same, but we've only had seven matches. You know, it feels like every game now is, and I'm saying I, that's how I feel. Every game is like a cup final. Every game is the biggest game ever. We're seven matches into the season, Chad. Uh, and no one wants to hear that things take time. But And it's great if you hit the ground running straight away like Emery did, but it's not always the case. But... From a Wolves perspective, if you were to say to me, you'll finish bottom four this season, I think I'd take that 
because then they think that the FFP issues will, will be clear next summer. So it's just about trying to find three teams to finish below them this season. If they can do better than that, you know, like think about Villa last year, they can do better than that. Great. But I think the main thing for Wolves this season is to just make sure they're still in this division in 12 months' time and then hopefully they'll be able to push on again a little bit. And we have all our banter, you know, and, and I love it. But for me, my best times was, was when it wasn't that long ago, 10, 15 years ago, we had Villa, Wolves, Albion and Blues all we in did. the top. And that was, I mean, like, again, the banter was flying around. But actually to have those local derbies and to be in the Premier League and to be... That was something special. Of course, you always want to beat your yeah. team. Of course you do. No, I'm not insulting anyone's intelligence by pretending any different. But to have four of our teams up there, it was, you know, it was, it was something special. So hopefully it will happen in the future. Yeah, you know, so I, I, I'd love that if we could get that again. And that would be really put us on the map and maybe get a little bit more coverage nationally as well because we you know what it's like, don't we? And... Makes me laugh now how Liverpool have been on the wrong end of one VAR decision and they want things done about it and questioning the integrity of the sport. We all know that they've benefited more than anyone factually over the last few years. So it's funny now they're questioning the integrity of the sport. Now they've had one decision go against them. Cool, is Wolves have lost a few of their best players. Yeah, they have. Yeah, I mean, um, the main one who... the main. The one who was regular in the first team last season was Neves, who was wonderful. And he's, I was surprised where he went, mind you, but in one way it's good he's not playing against us. Uh, the other, A lot of the others weren't actually getting much game time in the end. I mean, like people like Raul yeah. Jimenez and uh, João Martinho and Adama Traore and Nathan Collins, who went to Brentford for 23 million. He, he was... He, he wasn't in the team. Connor Cody had been on loan at Everton and he wasn't going to be in the team. So there's a lot of big names when, but actually, apart from Neves, none of them were first team regulars, but they haven't, the squad's a lot thinner because they brought in four or five players uh, just before the deadline, actually. Matt Doherty came back earlier than that. Uh, but a lot of those players are just still bedding in at the moment. Some of them haven't played yet. So it's the squad's not as, Going back to what we're on about the Villa squad, the Wolves squad depth is nowhere near what it was of you know even like six months ago. So Daz, uh, can you give me some score predictions for Thursday and Sunday? Right for Thursday, four 0 Yeah. And you know what? On Sunday, I've got a stat for you. Right, and I might, I might, if there's any second this stat could go wrong. <laughs> Unai Emery has never had a nil-nil draw as a Premier League manager, either at Arsenal or Aston Villa. Well, that's an interesting fact. Yeah, he's never had one. And I'm going to go for... <laughs> I'm not really selling the programme on Sunday. I'm going to go for nil-nil. I think it might be a goalless draw. And I'll take that now. Well, I'm what about go, you? Uh, yeah, on, on what, what I'm going to go 4-1 on Thursday. Yeah. Of very confidence and against Wolves, we're gonna go 2 1 Aston Villa. You are, I'm off. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I think it'd be close either way, anyway. I think uh, it does. If you could, can you spread the word about my podcast? 
very much so. I'll mention it tomorrow on the football phone in and say I've been on it uh, and ask and get people to try and um, get people to subscribe to it as well, mate. Yeah, it'd be a pleasure. Also, what I could do is as well, Daz, I could take you in on Twitter. Yeah, please do. Yeah, and I'll retweet it. Yeah. And then so you'll have to phone me up this week in the ne- or in the next few days and come on and uh, obviously plug your podcast as well and, and um muscular dystrophy and, and you know we'll I really we'll appreciate about. that. Yeah, of course, mate. And thank you very much for inviting me on tonight. I've really enjoyed it. Uh Daz, I'm gonna go through some more comments. Okay. Have a little look. Can we talk, Chelsea? Is there any way that I don't win the conference league? Uh, you guys are flying. Good luck for next for the season. That's nice. Do go to the one. Do you think this is better for the O'Neill period? I think it could be. Don't you? Lord, you I think yeah, it's the best team I've seen in years. I think it could well be. Um, Uncle John said, "Das is correct. All the players are bought." into Unai vision. Not many people ever say that about me, John, so thank you. Michael Huggins said, good evening. Evening, Michael. Michael Huggins said, on my way home, so I'll send my drop out. We'll catch up later. Thank you for watching, mate. Uh, Michael Huggins said, "Let me start strong and kill the guy." Yeah, that, that, that's what I'm exactly. Time. Yeah, yeah. Uncle, uh, my uncle John again, John Blevins. EFL Cup, don't forget. Yeah. City and Brighton got knocked out. Yeah. Don't read one more. I'll read one. Now, if you go up a bit, I'll read these final comments. And Boris Mo said. Hello from Zerinsky fan. Hopefully you won't smash us too much. <laughs> well, thanks, Boris. I mean, the thing is that Zerinsky have already got three points, so whatever happens on Thursday, they're still very much in the conversation, aren't they? So who knows what will happen on Thursday night. But um, Boris, are you coming to the match? Does the year, Boris. Hopefully you're coming to the game. Well done. So we're going to bring this episode to a close. Okay. Thank that. you. Really, thank you oh, so mate, much. I've loved it. Thanks ever so much for the invite as well. Really, good, really, really enjoyed it. Thank you everyone for watching. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a like. Share and subscribe to the channel. Make sure to keep your post notifications turned on. Also, let me know your thoughts in the comment section below. Thank you so much for your time. The last thing that is left to say is up the villa. <coughs> <laughs> Want to click the ultra?